the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Folks, listen. Jesus reminds us that God is watching us. And if in his watching us, he sees you self-righteously looking for the faults of others on a witch hunt, judging their motives, being destructively critical, then he's just going to judge you for this. You'll not get away with it. He'll spank you. He loves us too much. See, unlike us, he grieves over the sin of his people. We tend to delight in it. But he grieves over our sin, and he'll spank you. What is wrong with that teacher? How did she know I was looking on your paper? She must have eyes in the back of her head, the other student replied. One time or another, we all probably thought our teachers had eyes in the back of their head because they seemed to know all that was going on. Teachers didn't need another set of eyes. They knew the nature of their students, and they knew what they would do if given the opportunity. And when we would get caught, and we did, and we had to take that note home, or much worse, a phone call, we knew we were in for some trouble. Regardless of the views on spanking today, it was permissible and even encouraged back when I was a student. First came the lecture, and then the spanking, and then the statement that irritated me the most. This hurts me more than it does you. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Judging others is our topic as pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff guides us through the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Our topic of discussion is not judging others so that we don't get judged. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His teaching ministry at Lakeside has now expanded to include these daily radio Bible classes. God is so much more to us than our human parents. He is our Heavenly Father, and He knows what we do, and He knows why we do what we do. He knows our motives and our thoughts even before we do or say what is on our mind. He can't be fooled or convinced by smooth talk that we didn't do what he saw. And just like our human parents, because he loves us, he punishes us when we do wrong in order for us to learn our lesson and not repeat the wrongdoing again. Okay, we're now ready for Pastor Steve. See, whenever we accuse someone of sinful motives... We have taken the place of God. We have taken the place of God because only the omniscient God is capable of reading our hearts and knowing our motives. Paul once again addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'd like you to see this. And while you're turning there, let me say the reason that there are so many verses that, that coincide with this is because this is a very real problem that we face. They faced it in the early church. We face it today. This is a practical, relevant issue for us. It's not, it's not something that, is a first, that was a first century issue. It's for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice what Paul said. The Corinthians judged him. They judged other spiritual leaders. Paul says in verse 3, But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you 
or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. Paul said, it's really very, very small whether you judge me. He said, I don't even judge myself. And then he added in verse 4, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. There wasn't anything in Paul's life that he was aware of was that, that was out of touch with what God's word says. Yet he added, I am not by this acquitted. He said, just because I don't know it doesn't mean that everything is right. But the one who examines me is the Lord. And then note this in the key verse is verse 5. Therefore, he says, do not go on passing judgment before the time. What time? He explains, but wait until the Lord comes. That's the time who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. He said, I don't judge myself. I don't even know my own motivations. Only God knows them. And someday I will stand before him and he will disclose the motives of the heart. And then if there's praise to come from him, there will be praise from him. But right now, none of us knows anyone's motives. So if you're judging people's motives, you have to stop. That's wrong. That's sin. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, do not judge. So the Lord has told us very clearly in this opening statement of Matthew 7 that we are not to judge our brothers and sisters with a critical fault-finding petty, self-righteous spirit of contempt, a contempt that takes delight in the sins of others. It's just an ugly sin, and yet it's a very common sin amongst Christians. And as I said before, we all tend to do this because by nature, our fallenness, we are critics, and we love to condemn others. And so to help us curve this evil tendency that comes with just being a fallen person, After commanding us not to judge others, Jesus goes on to give us specific reasons why we shouldn't judge others. In other words, what he he does, and he does this very often in his teaching, he'll give you the broad general statement, and then he'll give you the specifics as to why you should do what he said. Now, if we didn't have anything else other than this one statement, do not judge, that would be sufficient. But the Lord has given us actually three specific reasons that, that... should be incentives to us, extra incentives to put an end to the sin. This morning, we're going to look at that first reason why we are not to judge others. And then when we study this again, we'll look at the other two. But let's look at the first reason we are not to judge others. It's because, number one, those who judge others, like the Lord is talking about, will be judged themselves. Those who judge others will be judged themselves. Verse one goes on to say, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now, Jesus tells us that if we don't judge others, then we will not be judged ourselves, which is simply another way of saying that if we judge others, then we'll be judged ourselves. Now, what did he mean by this statement? Very common view of his words that the Lord was saying this, that if you don't want to be judged by others, then, then don't do any judging yourself. In other words, the less critical you are of others, the less critical others will be of you. Now, there's certainly truth to that. There's certainly truth to that thought because those who speak unkindly of others are only inviting others to speak unkindly of them. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what he's saying. As I said, there's a truth to that, but that's not the point of what he's saying. The judgment that Christ has in mind for the Christian who sins by judging his brother isn't judgment that comes from other people. It's judgment that comes from God. This is a judgment from God. Now, I'm afraid whenever Christians hear that God is going to judge us, they think, but wait a minute. Wasn't Christ judged in our place on the cross? Yes, absolutely. 
No true believer will ever be judged and condemned for the penalty of their sins. That, that was taking place in the atonement of our Lord. Christ's death took care of that eternal punishment. Paul made that very clear. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he's not talking about that. He's not talking about eternal wrath of God poured out on us. That was taken care of at the cross. I remind you that the Sermon on the Mount is addressed to those who are already believers. Children of God, citizens of the kingdom, not unbelievers who are in danger of eternal judgment. And yet, to believers, Jesus says that we are in danger of being judged if we judge others. What's he talking about? It's not eternal judgment. Is there any other judgment? Well, he actually mentions it in verse 2. Notice this. He says that in the way you judge others, you will be judged. So there's a definite judgment that Christians will experience. There's a judgment that Jesus spoke of that pertains to believers. And that is consistent with what the rest of the New Testament teaches. See, the Bible teaches that there are two types of judgment reserved for believers. Not eternal judgment, But there is a judgment which we call God's discipline, his chastising of us as he spanks us for our disobedience. Let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 12. The writer to the Hebrews is most definite in his his writings about this. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5, he says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. You see, not unbelievers, but sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, if you can get away with anything and God doesn't discipline you, then you're not one of his. Furthermore, verse 9, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them since uh, shall we not much more rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us, notice this, for our own good so that we may share his holiness. What the writer is saying is that the Lord loves us too much to, get, to let us get away with our sin. He doesn't let a believer get away with sin. So he spanks us and he corrects us. And you know what? There's a host of ways the Lord can discipline us. There are any number of ways. And you can't put it in a box exactly how he's going to do it. But one way that he disciplines his children, Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul taught that one way he disciplines his children is through sickness, weakness, and even death. If there's no repentance, let me read this to you. First Corinthians chapter 11. We always read this in relation to the Lord's Supper because that's the context. Paul says in verse 27 in first Corinthians 11, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But if, but a man must examine himself and in doing so, he's to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What he means is examine your life. If you're in sin, repent. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment. Notice that. Talking about believers now. Eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Meaning, if the man or the woman, the Christian, does not judge themselves and repent and say, I was wrong, then God will judge you. God will step in. 
That's what he means in verse 30. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep means they're dead. God took their lives. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. This is a definite judgment of discipline on a believer who does not repent of their sin. So God disciplined them with physical sickness and some even died because of their sin. This does not mean, by the way, that every time you're sick, God is disciplining you. But I think that believers ought to be more conscious of that and ought to ask, especially if there's an illness that they're not getting over, Lord, is there something in my life that you're dealing with? And don't worry about it. And don't become introspective about it. It's God's job to tell you what it is. He'll make it clear. In fact, you don't have to guess. You'll, you'll know because it's your sin. Folks, listen. Jesus reminds us that God is watching us. And if in his watching us, he sees you self-righteously looking for the faults of others on a witch hunt, judging their motives, being destructively critical, then he's just going to judge you for this. You'll not get away with it. He'll spank you. He loves us too much. See, unlike us, he grieves over the sin of his people. We tend to delight in it. But he grieves over our sin, and he'll spank you. Now, in addition to this form of judgment, there is a second type of judgment that awaits believers. It is a judgment that will take place not now on earth, but in the future when we stand before him. This type of judgment is known in Scripture as the judgment seat of Christ or the bema seat of Christ. It is not a judgment of God's wrath upon us for our sins, but rather a judgment whereby God will evaluate our lives to determine, of course, he already knows, but for our sake, how we lived on earth, whether we were obedient to him, whether we were faithful to him with the right motives. And based on our faithfulness and obedience to him, he will give us rewards. The judgment seat of Christ is really a a seat in which God will We'll be there evaluating the way we lived to determine our rewards. And our rewards, the scripture is not crystal clear about this. Our rewards probably have to do with responsibilities in serving him throughout eternity. The greater the reward, the greater the responsibility. The first will be last, the last will be first. We see this, for example, if we look back at Romans 14, that very next few verses dealing with judging one another. That's what ties into this. Paul says in verse 10, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to me. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Folks, we will all have to give an account of ourselves to him. And one of the things we will give an account for is whether we judge one another or not. Second Corinthians chapter 5, same, same truth, a little bit more stated here. Also 1 Corinthians 3, but 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Paul says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. That Paul is saying, it is my desire, whether I live or die, to please the Lord. Now, that should be sufficient in and of itself, but there's an extra motivation that he adds. Verse 10, Why do we want to be pleasing to him? Because we love him, but also for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Yes, we want to please the Lord but because we want to please the Lord, but we also want to please the Lord because someday we're going to have to stand before him. 
I don't want the Lord saying to me, Steve, you are judgmental. You're overly critical. You had contempt towards others. That, that would be heartbreaking. And I know you don't want him to say that either. So what do we do about this? When Jesus warns us, do not judge others, otherwise you'll be judged by God here and in the future, it means that you have to take an evaluation. You have to make an evaluation of your own life. Because we're going to have to give an account then. So we need to judge ourselves now and repent of this. Now, if, you have an, if you've had a negative, critical spirit, you need to change it. It's a habit you've gotten into. Maybe your parents were like that. Maybe the church that you've been at or the circle of friends have been like that. But you can change. That's the nice thing about habits. You can form new habits. You can change. If this is true in your life, what do you do about this? As I said, don't be thinking about other people. I hope they're getting this message. No, what do you do about it? First of all, you begin by repenting of your sins of self-righteousness and pride. You see, judging is a sin in and of itself, but it's symptomatic of a deeper sin. It's a sin of self-righteousness, the sin of arrogance. Admit what it really is. Lord, I'm, I'm conceited, I'm arrogant, I'm self-righteous, I don't see my own blind spots. You have to repent of that, turn from it, but you first have to recognize it. Yes, this is me, this is me, not somebody else, this is me. Secondly, if that's true of you, then you need to begin to make some changes and you need to work on saying positive things about other people. You're in a habit of saying negative things, thinking negatively. Look for ways to compliment others. Not flatter them. Don't give them empty flattery. Compliment them. Encourage other people. Start thanking the Lord for others and resist the urge to always criticize and judge others. Stop exalting yourself and be humble. So the question is this. Do you need to repent of having a judgmental attitude? The spirit of the Pharisees live on in you. Then face your sin today and deal with it. Don't go out of here and put it off. Deal with it now in your heart. Because you can harden your heart, and tomorrow it won't mean much. Secondly, though none of us are qualified to judge another, there is one who's qualified, and that's Jesus himself. He is the ultimate and the supreme judge. And if you're not a believer in him, if you do not repent and trust him as Lord and Savior in this lifetime, then you'll have to face him in judgment. And it will be a judgment for your sin. And the penalty is eternal hell eternal hell. Someday you'll have to stand before him. It's called the great white throne judgment. And Jesus will tell you, depart from me into the lake of fire. He will judge you for your sins forever and ever and ever. But how unnecessary that is because when Christ died, he was judged in the place of sinners. So if you know that you're a sinner and you need to come to him, you need to trust him to forgive you of your sins. This past week, I had the opportunity, I'll not mention his name, but I had the opportunity of visiting a Jewish man who is dying. And I've known him uh, on a very surface level for, uh, for many years, but not, never have actually sat down with him. He really doesn't come to church here. Once in a while, he shows up. And I shared the gospel with this man who's in his 90s. And uh, this man told me, he said, Steve, my, my days are numbered. I'm going to die. I know it. So I shared Christ with him, and he said, Steve, let's just leave it at that. I'm too old to change. I'm not going to change. And my, my heart was just broken listening to him. 
And when I went to leave and I shook his hand, I felt like I, I was shaking death. That someday, this man, very soon, is going to stand before the Lord. And he'll think of that conversation we had. He heard the gospel in his own living room and rejected it. How about you? How about you? If you've come to church here, heard the gospel many times, we try to close almost every Sunday morning sermon with a gospel message, something about your need for Christ. If, if you've sat under the teaching of the word here and you don't know Jesus, think about that. Someday you will stand before him and he will say to you, did you not hear? Did you not have opportunity to trust me? That's a horrible thought, but it doesn't have to be that. You can make sure that you know him. Call upon the Lord to save you. Trust him today. Don't let another day go by. Don't let another day go by. I'm going to give you a few moments to think about these things, about judging and the Lord being the ultimate judge. Let's bow in his presence. And as we're quiet before him, what changes do you need to make? What changes? Have you been guilty of that hypercritical, judgmental spirit? Looking down upon others who don't see things exactly the way you do. Making major issues over secondary matters. Repent of that. Change. Maybe you have to go to somebody and ask their forgiveness. If they're aware of it, if it's just between you and the Lord and they're not aware of it, then just confess it to him. Maybe you've judged the motives of others. That's an ugly sin. Because you, you, you and I don't know their hearts. Then repent of that. And maybe you're not a believer. And yet you know the truth. You intellectually Understand that Christ died for sinners, but you've never personally trusted him and committed your life to him. I urge you to do that today. I'm going to give you a few moments to speak to him, and then I'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for loving us enough to tell us about our sin. Thank you, Lord. Unlike us, you don't delight in our sin. It grieves you. But you tell us the truth so that we'll change. Lord, I pray that you'll help each of us to see where we are guilty, not other people, but ourselves. And may we make the right decisions to repent and to start being positive, to start encouraging. And Lord, that certainly doesn't mean that we don't evaluate doctrine of others and don't confront others in sin, but help us to never be on a witch hunt, to never be fault finders, to never enjoy that, to never take that on as our assignment. I pray you'll purify our hearts. And I pray for those who don't know you. I pray, Lord, for those who may have sat in this congregation for many years, heard the word without a a commitment to Christ. Draw them to yourself. I pray for this dear Jewish man, Lord, that before he enters eternity, he might repent of his sin. He might read that little booklet that I left with him and you would use your word to bring him to yourself before it's too late. And Father, we... Thank you for what we've studied today. May your word continue to dwell in us richly as we leave this place and go into the mission field. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Admitting wrong is painful. It is humbling. It is void of any arrogance. And it makes us feel vulnerable. It is when we reach that level that God can teach us and restore us. As long as we think we are someone 
God can't use us. We need to make some changes in our life that causes us to look more in the mirror than at others. We need to turn this pitfall of judging others by our standards over to God. Now, if you weren't able to pray the prayer with Pastor Steve when he prayed, I hope you will continue to think on those things and before the evening draws to an end that you will talk to God. Our time is running out, so we need to say so long for now. We're glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. This broadcast is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. If you would like to listen again to today's class, you can hear it at our website, versebyverseradio.org, or you can download it for later. The same is true for many of our previous classes, which are available on the archives page. Please feel free while you're there to sign up for our newsletter or our podcasting service. Both are free for the asking. Once more, that's versebyverseradio.org. Until tomorrow, keep Christ the focal point of your life. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.